You're listening to And welcome to another episode of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yue. And I'm Rira Yue. And we are here to go over the latest book and publishing news for January 2020. Rira, thanks again for compiling our list. Again, this list comes from a number of sources, mainly Publishing Weekly. Publishers Weekly. Publishers Weekly, mm-hmm. um, as well as um, Twitter. Uh, and for those of you who are participating in this month's book club discussion, uh, our first pick of 2020 is The Three-Body Problem by uh, Shishin Liu, right? Yeah, and translated by Ken Liu. So hope you all are working your way through that book. Um, I'm simultaneously reading and also listening in my car, so... Um, Taking full advantage of that whisper sync, but also falling into the trap where I bought both the audiobook and the Kindle version. So I mean, well it, it, it comes Amazon. in a package, right? It's um, if you buy either the book or the audiobook, the other version is um, discounted. So technically, uh, yes, um, but kind of defeats the purpose of buying something on Amazon because essentially I'm just paying full price for the whole thing, and I don't have anything to show for it. No physical book, which is fine. I don't think I have room at bookshelf anymore. Yeah, same here. Like, I feel like most of my uh, book purchases have been digital as of late. And a lot of the other book club picks that we have read in the past, I've borrowed it from the library because <laughs> uh, I do not have the money to buy every single book that uh, comes our way. I know we've been talking about this for probably years now, but I still have not acquired a library card. Yeah. As- as an adult. This this pops up like every other episode and, you know. Do you think the one I had as a kid uh, still works? No, they expire every three years. <sighs> Damn it. So you have to renew it. Yeah, I have a I have a pile of books that I've received from like my day job. And <laughs> it's like, like I do want to get to them at some point. But um, finding the time has been really a struggle I know that that's not an excuse. Um, you can always make time. Um, I mean, look at authors; they have to. They have so many deadlines for like turning in like what, like, like tens of thousands of words, but they still have to read constantly. So uh, I think my goal for 2020 is to definitely like read more books, but mm. I don't want to be too harsh on myself. So the goal I have set is like read 10 pages of a book that I want to actually get through in my TBR pile every day. Oh. So eventually it'll catch up because like by the end of the week, I should have read 70 pages of of a book that uh, was on my TBR pile. That sounds doable. Yeah, it is. It, it, yeah. it does sound doable, right? <laughs> well, um, well, good luck on that New Year's resolution. Oh, I love how it's my New Year's res- resolution and you're not going to like share it with me. <laughs> oh. Well, I, I'm I'm busy <laughs> like, trying to read um, our book. That's uh, true. Uh, I don't want to make any promises I can't keep. <laughs> you know what? Make all the promises that you can't keep. Mm. Eventually, you'll you'll find a promise that you will actually end up keeping. <laughs> um, I was 
I'll just add it to my I'll just add it to my own um to be um TBR to be realized pile of promises to myself. You know what, Marvin? Disappointment is part of life. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what was also disappointing was um I know we're not a film podcast. Yeah, but uh, Oscar nominations were out this Monday, and you know a little disappointed in Hollywood right now. I mean, it, we've always been disappointed in Hollywood, but, but just especially a little, a little this, extra year. Yeah. this year. Yeah. And um, there are other podcasts um, where people go into much more detail about the disappointingness of what it is. Um, all I can say is like in a year where we probably had more great diverse films than ever before, it was really disheartening to see that in the grand scheme of like, the awards and you know we can go into how our awards are picked and how all the politics at play that it still turns out pretty homogenous at the end yeah there's a there's actually a really great um like adam ruins everything episode <laughs> on like how the oscars work and yeah. how people are uh like how movies get picked and how much politics and how many parties how much yeah. money and marketing goes into it um it's actually funny because like uh, the Weinstein company, Miramax at mm-hmm. the time, like they're the ones who kind of invented the way of marketing. Storing so money. Yeah, like, storing yeah. money to like get your films nominated. Also, I'm like... I mean, once is, you, it's pretty much the theme of this year, which is class. Like once you know how to play the game, you play the game and you play the game by throwing money at your problems, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> who, like who thought the Joker was like an Oscar worthy so thing. Like here is the prevailing theory okay. um, that I've been formulating also based on reading other people's analysis is um yes, the academy that does the nominating is more diverse than before, but that has ended up playing kind of spoiler to the whole thing. Because because you have more more diverse people in the academy you have more diverse people voting for different things that they love because there's so much to choose from. There was Us, there was Knives Out, there was um, The Farewell, Parasite. But you still have that block, probably like the majority, who all love the same thing. So they all focus their They all their votes. identified with this white man in this movie who turned out to be a terrorist. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about um, movies that are traditionally praised by the Hollywood establishment – it's pretty much a by the numbers that kind of movie, okay. right? Yeah. About disenfranchised white dude who like lashes out. Maybe I'm just salty that Little Women, which I really loved and <laughs> was very white, did not really get that like that many nominations. It got like four or five, which yeah. is so the frustrating thing about that. Is, and I've had this conversation with people who also love Little Women, is it got a Best Film nomination. It got multiple acting nominations. It got like a writing nomination, I think, but not a director's nomination. Like women are shut out the directors. Yeah, of course. And the message that sense is that, um, yes, the film is great, but the director, Greta Gerwig, had nothing to do with it. Ugh. Right? Which is like the opposite of Parasite. It's like, oh, Pong Juno is like the sole reason why Parasite was great. Yeah. And I'm like, no, like, I mean, yes, he's a great director, but also like the acting really like solidified like how well the movie was, uh, yeah. you know, like how well the movie was made. And also like 
this is an opinion that I've had for a very, very long time, but there should be an Oscar uh, nomination category for casting directors because it's not always uh, – it doesn't always fall on a director to – to like figure out which actor will be best for his film or his or her film. And I guess this whole thing goes back to a conversation that we had last year when we were talking about the um the Campbell Award being renamed the Astounding Award, where it's at some point, yes, tradition and heritage is really important, but things need to change to accommodate the times. And when your award show, which is supposed to be like the pinnacle of recognizing what's great about your medium isn't reflective or isn't reflecting what the demographics that it's serving it's okay to change it's, it's okay to yeah. update it you know anyway yeah. uh we're gonna jump End into rant. that that has been that has uh, been that, that has marvin been... and rira rant it's only it's only <laughs> january in 2020 um but yeah let's move on to our book news and deals um we uh, it's relatively light this this month, um, but there's some some cool stuff happening. So um, first up, we have Holtbot World Rights to Sophie Dow's picture book "Why We Swim Bonnie Tsui," uh, which tells the story about one of the first female big wave surfers. Publication is scheduled for spring 2021. You know, I spent six years in San Diego and I never learned how to surf, but that's only because I'm a really terrible swimmer. I don't like the ocean <laughs> and i live in california you know ocean's scary there's sharks there's waves i'm just scared of uh i guess like bacteria oh yeah <laughs> yeah it's dirty it yeah. yeah if it if it was like somewhere where the water is like much cleaner i i feel like i would enjoy it way more but That's unfortunately true. the ocean in California, like California, and yeah. also the East Coast. It's it's gross. It's grody. It, yeah, it gross. <laughs> uh, Bloomsbury bought world rights to Arne Flores's debut novel, The Firebird Song. The middle grade fantasy follows a twelve year old barge boy and a lost princess on a dangerous quest to unravel clues left by the Firebird Queen and call the Firebird back to their kingdom before all hope is extinguished. Publication is slated for spring twenty twenty one. What's a barge boy? Is that like a cabin boy? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> okay, so barge boys are young men, usually around the age of 16, who have chosen to leave their intended profession if they were apprenticed and work as a rower for the trade barks. So I'm guessing that they're like merchants, indentured servants to merchants. I don't know. Someone. I don't know. Someone educate me. Interesting. Well, um, congratulations to Arnie Flores for her debut. Um, always love to see more middle grade stuff out in the world. Middle grade's where it's at. Yeah. The font's bigger. It's easy to get through. I can like, I don't have to spend the whole like three days reading a book. I just finish it in a day. It's great to read middle grade as an adult. I'm just saying. I just hope that adults don't intrude on middle grade. Like, they have with young adults where mm. they're where they're aging up a lot of characters or like like adult reviewers saying like oh i can't relate to the book this book is bad and then they give it a bad rating on goodreads and right. it's just like a whole thing like why is why are all the characters dumb and it's because they're 18 <laughs> <laughs> um well middle grade it's like Oh, they're like 10? Yeah. But, yeah. They're kids. Yeah, they're kids. It's like watching, you know, like what's that Journey to the Witch Mountain? And it's like, you know, or like Stranger Things. 
Although Stranger Things is kind of geared more towards <laughs> that's not a kid show. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in a two-book deal, Harper Teen has acquired Serena and Sasha Nanua's YA fantasy duology. The first book, titled Rhea and Ronnie, follows two twins separated at birth, one now a princess and the other a street thief. The twins switch places only to discover that their destinies may be to join together in a bid to stop their kingdom from falling apart. Publication is scheduled for summer 2021. So a story about twins written by twins. Oh, they're twins? Yeah, they are. Oh, nice. Own voices through and through. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next up, in a six-figure auction, Viking acquired Sangu Mandana's middle-grade debut, Kiki Kalira Breaks a Kingdom. Pitched as Inkheart meets Arusha and the End of Time, the novel follows an 11-year-old girl coping with anxiety through art. When she steps into the Indian mythology-inspired world in her sketchbook, she must stop a demon king from escaping into the real world. Publication is scheduled for fall 2021. A lot of like middle grade fantasy. Has that always been a thing? I think it's always been a thing, to hmm. be honest. I, I think it's just uh, becoming um, spotlit more. So mm. we're noticing it way more often. I'm trying to rem- remember what I read in middle school. A lot of Star Wars expanded universe novels <laughs> is what I read. Oh, this is this is a tangent, but um, like ever since The Witcher came out on Netflix, people have been buying the Witcher book series. Like it's been like selling out pretty quickly. Yeah, I've heard there's a Witcher bump for both the books and the video game. The Witcher three is like yeah on the charts again, which is which is awesome. I think it it received like the most amount of. Uh, download purchases like ever in its history of like being out like of all three witcher games all right next up levine querido acquired author artist Catherine min's picture book debut shy willow the book tells the story of a very shy rabbit who ventures out in the world to deliver a birthday wish from a small boy to the moon publication is scheduled for spring 2021 that um that description took me on a journey because at first I thought it was going to be like Alice in Wonderland type of thing, mm-hmm. but it turned out to be the uh, the moon goddess type of thing. I think that's a mythology that both Chinese and Koreans share, right? Um, it's a little bit different for us. Mm. Uh, we do have rabbits in the moon, right. but they make an immortality elixir, an elixir for immortality. I think that's similar. Is it similar? I thought to... I thought like the moon goddess. It was a princess who drank the elixir and floated to the moon. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm sure we're making, like, so many of our listeners really pissed off because (laughs) we're getting our, our, like, mythology wrong. Well, I mean, it started with the archer that shot down all the suns, right? And as a reward, he got this elixir that his wife, the princess, drank and floated to the moon. I also know that this is also a Mashimaro sketch. (laughs) <laughs> um, that was really popular in like the two thousands. Do you remember Mashimaru? I do. That was a Korean thing, right? Uh, no, that's that's Japanese. Is it? Yeah. Oh. No, I mean, I mean, come on, Mashimaru. Like that's totally Japanese. It sounds Japanese. In Chinese, his name is Jin Tu, which means bastard rabbit. Mashimaro is literally Japanese for marshmallow because it's white. Okay, anyway, HarperCollins bought in a six-figure auction world rights to Waka T. Brown's debut novel, While I Was Away. Pitched as The Farewell Meets Brown Girl Dreaming, the middle-grade memoir follows the author's journey as a Japanese-American who is sent to live in Japan 
with a grandmother she never knew and attend public school because her parents feared she was losing her culture. Publication is slated for winter 2021. You know, this is the kind of thing that I would have probably dreaded as a kid. But now as an adult, I kind of wish happened to me too. What? No, I, I would not want that to happen to me <laughs> ever, even now. Uh, I just, you know, sometimes I wish I could read and write Chinese and still just speaking it. I mean, yeah, that that's nice. But I would never want to be forced to live that's in true. another country. Like, it, I feel like it's different when you... As like visiting versus actually living there mm. for like a year, not not even like a month. Like think about it, like in a year long. <laughs> well, when I was three, I did spend like I think almost a year, or at least half, like half a year to a year in Asia. Um, I don't know why. I think probably because my parents were looking for work or something. But I spent that um, that time with my grand grandma, and I actually went to a Taiwanese uh, kindergarten for that time. I still remember because I um, Chinese kindergartens they force nap time on you, and I ran away and hid during the nap time. Oh, that's really funny because yeah. uh, you know how they have nap time nap time here in mm-hmm. in, in day daycare or whatever. Um, my parents would always pick me up before nap time because <laughs> they're like naps are a waste of time. Uh. <laughs> so I would go home. And then I would, like, my mom purchased, like, all of these um, practice tests for math, and I would just do them for, like, an hour. And then after that was done, I had piano lessons. So it's, like... Anti-nap time, really. Anti-nap time. (laughs) Sleep is for the weak. I've learned this from a very young age. (laughs) Don't laugh at my... (laughs) Don't laugh at my tragic childhood. It's it's sad, because I love sleep so much. So I feel for for young Rira, because... I still don't sleep. (laughs) Um, I sleep late is my problem. My, my my, My whole world is time shifted. Our next deal is Scholastic bought world rights to debut author-illustrator Jocelyn Lee Legrand's picture book, If You Miss Me, which follows a young ballerina who loses the drive to dance after her grandmother dies. But through the memory of grandma, she rediscovers her love for dance, knowing in her heart grandma is dancing too. Publication is set for 2021. Is, is this your jam? I know you like ballerinas. I love ballet. Um, but are you down with like ghost grandma? Is it ghost grandma? or like I, No, it just, it just sounds... <laughs> It's sad. I mean, it's it's important because kids, you know, they lose uh, loved ones and family members in their lives. And mm-hmm. it's really important to have books that teach them how to go through grief. grief yeah. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've seen a lot of like sad dance stuff in my life. So mm. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. It, maybe it would have been my jam when I was when I was a kid. I read a lot of dark things um our last book deal for um for our news episode is 37 inc imprint acquired north american rights to jessamine chan's debut novel the the school for good mothers the novel is about an anxiety prone 39 year old chinese american single mom who finds herself under the scrutiny of child protective services after leaving her infant daughter alone for an extended time Forced to complete a year-long parenting course, the mother finds herself paired with a helper whom she must learn to love like a child in order to be reunited with her daughter. Damn. Did your parents ever, like, leave you alone as a as a kid? I mean... I mean, we're adults now, so it, 
Like, it's fine. I mean, I was kind of a latchkey kid, like, growing up. Like, starting elementary school, I had, like, a key to my house. I, my, mm-hmm. my parents both worked. Um, my dad worked overseas. My, my mom worked part-time at a bank. So, like, I think starting from third grade, I would walk home by myself and, like, do homework till my mom gets got home. Like, she worked part-time, so she would get home, like, a little yeah, bit pretty after. early, yeah. Yeah, but my mom didn't start doing that until I was old enough to, Yeah, like, kind of. Walk take home, care of yourself. Take care of myself. Yeah. yeah. See, that's the thing. Because, um, like, un- in a lot of countries, uh, leaving your kid for, you know, like, 10 minutes by themselves, it's mm. not considered a big deal. But, like, here in America, like, God forbid you're filling up gas in your car and <laughs> you go to pay for it inside, like, at, to the cashier. And if you leave your baby in, like, the car seat, like... You get your child taken away, like someone calls, saying like, you're such an you're such an irresponsible parent. And I think with American parenting culture, there's like there are so many parenting books in in American publishing, and um, this idea of like this is the perfect way to be a mom. Like there's a right way and a wrong. There's way, a right, right way and a wrong way, and it's very geared towards like upper middle class white mothers who have the resources to buy nannies. Uh, access to like child care and child care in america is expensive it's really expensive and like the people who do take care of children they get paid very very low wages so it, it would be really interesting to i'm really interested in reading this because uh i think it's like an interesting study of of like chinese american parenting versus yeah uh, the ideal American parenting. Also millennial parenting, because let's be honest, um, most of my friends are going to be parents when they're in their late 30s. Mm-hmm. So like, this, this <laughs> is kind of our reality these days. Um, yeah. Congrats to Jessamine Chan um, on her debut novel. Looking forward to uh, learning more about it. Um, and yeah, that also do it for our publishing news. Um, before we go, though, I did want to congratulate um, Abigail Hingwen, our guest from our last episode, for making it onto the New York bestsellers list with her debut novel, yeah, Love Boat Taipei. Um, congratulations! And it's um, it's so interesting to me that so many people are going to learn about this love, love boat. boat thing. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if they're going to have a bump in their enrollment next year too. Is this just all a long con marketing ploy for this um, <laughs> this educational program for Taiwan? Who knows? But I'm glad so many people are enjoying that book. So congrats again to Abigail. Um, and I guess on that note, that would also do for this episode of Books and Boba. Like we mentioned at the top of our show, our January 2020 book club pick is The Three-Body Problem by Sushin Liu, um, translated by Ken Liu. Um, we'll be talking about that at the end of the month um, So in our next episode. So you still have a good two weeks to finish the book if you haven't started yet. Um, And so I'm looking forward to talking with you about that, Rira. You've wanted to read this book for a very long time. So I'm very interested in if it meets your expectations. (laughs) Is it, is it uh, Shishin Liu or is it Liu Shishin? I mean, it's both. I mean, it's both. Yeah. I mean, are you you Rira or are you Rira you? Um, I mean, here in America, I'm Rira Yu, yeah. but, you know, I don't introduce myself like that to, to Korean people. <laughs> um, I think both is fine. Both is fine. I think in terms of, like, how it's written on the book, it's fine. I mean, I if we want to be... <laughs> That's true, because, like, uh, Murakami is definitely the surname. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Um, we I get mean, a pass. We get a pass. We're creatures of this country where we've had these Western um, norms um, integrated into our very beings. So yeah. you know, some some things it's you no, know, some things we just gotta do to survive. You know. <laughs> um, but thanks again for compiling um, the book news again. I uh, really appreciate uh, the time that you uh, put into compiling this list because I've done it before and it does take a lot of time. And thank you to the people who have uh, sent in tips. Yeah. Through Twitter or through direct messaging. Yeah, as always, um, please chat with us on our Goodreads forums. Um, we always love to hear from our members. And uh, for those of you who want to know how to support us, um, you can support us by giving us a review on iTunes. Um, I think that's still the best place to go because that's where most people listen to podcasts. Um, so if you do have time and you want to kind of help us out, um, just um, send us a review on that platform and and let us know what you think and on that note Riva I'll talk to you in two weeks about three body problem alright bye bye everyone thanks for listening to Books and Boba this episode was hosted by Marvin Yue and Riva Yu and produced and edited by Marvin Yue this podcast was recorded at the Potluck Podcast Studios located within the Visual Communications offices in downtown Los Angeles. You can learn more about Visual Communications and their programs such as the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival by going to their website at bcmedia.org. Thanks also to the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-American-hosted podcasts that Books and Boba is a proud member of. You can learn more about our fellow Potluck Podcasts by checking out the website podcastpotluck.com. Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we've got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace. Peace.